Well, hey, John. Thanks so much for coming to the podcast. We appreciate you coming and finally being able to be here. Thanks, Thanks so for having me. So we have talked prior to the podcast, Don, about the wackiness of Muncie, the wackiness of the jar, and of the last couple of years. So we have to, before we go any further, we have to hear what is your wacky or multiple wacky Muncie stories. Hmm. What does Muncie mean to you? Well, m- me and Muncie go way back. So I I grew up in Selma, which is just yeah. a little town east of Muncie, and there was nothing there but a Pizza King. So like Muncie was the town. Um, also, my grandparents lived on the south side of Muncie, so I was over there a lot, like running the streets and alleys of Muncie, yeah. um, buying like 69 cent tacos from Taco Bell back in the day. We would like scrounge up change and go to the Taco Bell to get soft tacos. Um, So, like, I pretty much grew up in Muncie, and then I went to college at Ball State, so stayed in Muncie. And um, that was a fun experience, very diverse experience, being around a lot of different types of people. And then I moved away for a little bit. Um, I moved to West Lafayette for a job. So I graduated with a teaching degree, but then could not get a teaching job for like, I think it was three years after I graduated. So is that what you went to Ball State for? You actually like originally went for teaching? Yeah, I went for a secondary education with an English major. Um, So my plan was to go teach middle or high school English language arts, which you know about. Yeah, we're going to get to that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So then it took me, just at that time, there weren't a lot of jobs. You kind of had to have like an in like know someone at a school. So I had worked in property management during college, Mm -hmm. which was hilarious and had a ton of great stories with like college students and how they live and different funny things that they do. So I got promoted within that company to run a property in West Lafayette. So then I went from like Ball State's campus to Purdue's campus and ran a complex, which was even more diverse because there's a ton of international students So I enjoyed that, and then I actually moved to Florida for a little bit, and then I came back to Muncie because I'm I'm a family girl, and I miss my family a lot. So I moved back to Muncie, and then I got a teaching job finally at Daleville. Right. So that was a lot there, and, like, I'm sure several years went throughout all of that. So you were at Ball State, what, three, four years for your bachelor? Four and a half, actually, yeah. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. So out of Ball State, how did you fall into, like, property management? Because those are, like little bit of a different yeah so I had worked I worked two jobs and was a full-time student Mm -hmm. so I um I was blessed to have some like grants and scholarships from having a single parent but I still had to like pay my way through college um some of that so I worked two jobs and mainly in restaurants like there was a restaurant called Oscar Ray's back in the day that was open it was like a ma and pa restaurant. I was just kind of tired of like working in food. Um, so I had a, just a random friend that worked in leasing and she told me about a part-time job. Mm -hmm. So I applied for that. And then it went from just a leasing agent to working full-time to working, like getting promoted. That's awesome. No, that, that's really cool. And so from Ball State, oh man, I have so many questions about that because I'm sure you have a lot of stories. Um, but yeah, so like what, (laughs) Well, so you were fresh out of Ball State, like being a Ball State student into the property management of Ball State. What was what was that transition like? So without I, getting in too much detail, I guess because hmm, <laughs> I'm sure that's crazy. I would say so. The good thing is when I was just like working and leasing here in Muncie, I 
helped out a lot of residents who lived around the area, be it like we would meet for Starbucks. Like I actually developed friends that were residents that would come into the office. And then when I got promoted, it was actually at a different property. So then I was like a boss of people, which I did not feel like equipped to be a boss. I was, you know, like 23 and like no management experience really. Were you over people that were older than you? Yes, some of which, which was interesting. But I've always had the philosophy of you can learn so much from people. Like, don't try to go in and just, like, take charge and overrun everybody. Like, they have been running this property long before I ever came there. Like, our maintenance guys or some of the leasing agents, like, learn from them, and then you can learn how to run the property. So I'm always about learning from other people and – Kind of the way I was raised is you treat, you know, the custodian the same as the Mm -hmm. CEO, like everyone has value. And so that was a a good way to just like develop a really good team in West Lafayette. And then in Muncie, it was just amazing, like some of the stories. Mm -hmm. For example, like we would have someone call and say like, hey, my toilet's clogged. And then we would, you know, send the maintenance guys over to look at it and someone had broken a wooden spoon off in the toilet. So then like you a, begin like a a ladle or something. Yeah, like a cooking spoon. Okay. Um, they broke that off in the toilet and were like, okay, so we had to replace the whole toilet. But like, so of course I asked the question, yeah. like, why did that happen? Right. And the girl's like, I dropped my makeup compact down there and I was trying to get it out. Mm, okay. So like, one, I wouldn't use makeup from the toilet again. Right. Two, no what, what crosses your mind that like a wooden spoon's going to get that out? Yeah. Um. Not to mention, I mean, there were just hilarious stories of, you know, college kids, like some obviously, you mm-hmm. know, living the college life partying and oh, stuff yeah. like that. Um, yeah, I'm sure on the spectrum of things to share, I'm sure the wooden ladle inside of the toilet's probably low on the spectrum. I yes, that's a very, yeah, <laughs> modest story of things <laughs> I experienced. Yes, yes. Um, I'm sure. So, yeah, it was... I'd recommend people working in that industry if you have a sense of humor because it's... It gave me a lot of fun stories and experiences. Did you have more at Purdue? Do you feel like you had more crazy experiences at Purdue rather than Ball State or vice versa? They were both crazy, but just in a different way. Like, I feel like Muncie was more like the party scene Mm -hmm. stories of things. You might find someone passed out on a sidewalk somewhere Mm -hmm. versus Purdue was like um, a culture shock because there were a lot of international students, like, Students would literally come in with a suitcase with a passport from the Republic of China and a check to pay their rent for the whole year and not have anything, like no furniture, no vehicle, and could, um, you know, could speak the language but not understand, obviously, cultural context. So there were a lot of funny stories with, like, the culture adjustment, Um, and so that was definitely unique like one one time in West Lafayette, we had we went to look at a girl's sink. Well, she had like I don't know what she put down the garbage disposal, but there was a full plant growing out of it. Like I don't know if it was some sort of vegetable or like mm-hmm. house plant, but there was a whole thing of like greenery growing. <laughs> like, were you able to ask if that was on purpose? Or? No, we just no. kind of let it go because okay. um, well, I. Yeah. You know, like, (laughs) I was conscious about, like, I don't want to offend people, you know, and how they live. This is their home. But, yeah, I don't don't know what that was all about, if that was, like, on purpose or an accident. So before uh, the endeavor, 
with project management, which, oh, yeah, by the way, with that, something I was wanting to ask, like, did that help in being able, like, because you were saying you were over people, and that was, like, you were thrown into that in kind of your early 20s, so, like, did that help at all as far as, like, being assertive or having to give direction? Was it scary, or are we kind of being put into that position, or did you feel like you were able to kind of, like, lean into that? Because I know for me, that would be really horrifying, especially if there was a situation where you're giving, not orders or anything like that, but you're giving um, kind of uh, advice or opinions to people that are older than you. So did that help with assertiveness or being... I definitely had to learn that I it was not something I mean I would consider myself to be an assertive person now but right. maybe then I definitely had to learn that mm-hmm. and especially with people who were older than me plus more experienced than me right I tried not to let them know how much I didn't know I guess at times yeah. make it till you make it I guess but make it till you make it there were uncomfortable moments for sure, and um, I luckily had, like, a boss over me that was really supportive and helped walk me through that, but there was an example that I actually had to fire someone, and it was not pretty. Like, they may or may not have chucked something across the desk at me, so I was like, oh, this is fun, right? That's, like, sure. not something you want to do anyways is fire someone. Um, so it definitely taught me a lot about people, even like psychology, like how people tick, what makes them tick, um, how they adjust to stress or yeah, just getting outside of your comfort zone and having to, you know, do the job, even if it's not necessarily what you agree with. I had to fire two people. That one person was very negative, obviously, like they chucked keys across the desk at me, but it was okay. It was the right choice. And then another person I actually had to fire was I considered like a friend, which was really hard. Um, I think because a lot of us moved there to Lafayette, we all became pretty close because we were we just kind of became a family, I guess. But I had to do kind of a tough love thing, which really bothered me. But I did it, and then I honestly felt bad about it for quite some time. And then a couple years later, that person came back to me and said, hey, thank you for doing that because you showed me, like, it's important to, like, be on time and to show up and stuff like that. So that that helped. Like, it was very – I was full of anxiety, I guess, at that time, yeah. um, trying to navigate how you do that. But in the end, I felt like – it worked out. So. Yeah, that had to be like a, a stair step. It's like you already have stressors, anxieties, worries, being in that position, and then oh, now uh, now we have to enter into the realm of firing your friends. Yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> that's, mm-hmm. uh, that's always a nice added stressor, added bonus. For sure. Yeah. So I did want to ask when you're saying when you're talking about um, like your your student life at Ball State and like um, going to Ball State for for education, secondary education with English um, as an English major. What was that? Um, what was that like? And what was kind of the push to make you want to pursue that? Like, what what made you kind of decide like this is the route that I want to pursue? Well, I've always liked reading and literature, so I knew I wanted to do something in that area. Probably like every other college student, I changed my major at least once. <laughs> I started uh, pre-pharmacy, actually. Oh, wow. And then I took, like, a bio, no, chemistry class, and I was mm. like, yeah, that's a lot of math and science that, no. So, and I was honestly, like, that was more money-motivated than, like, passion-motivated. So I switched my major, 
and decided to do English language arts. And then I'm like, okay, so what can you do with that major besides like be a writer, which yeah, that's not guaranteed like a paycheck, right? right? Or become a teacher, which I had always actually as a kid, I wanted to be a teacher and then kind of just like not lost that, but just let it go over the years because I knew that like they didn't make much money. Not that I'm money driven, but you know, you got to survive. So when I was younger in school, I had a pretty troubled experience. Like I just went through a lot as a kid growing up in the household that I did. My dad was an alcoholic. Um, There's just a lot of fighting with my parents. And so I had a hard time. Like I made great grades in school and did a lot, but I was just like kind of that kid who liked to get in trouble. Like I would purposefully like push the boundaries like because it was fun. And so <laughs> now so is that I'm like, like, is that more of like a, a psychopath route? Or is that um, a yeah, I'm not sociopath? quite. So, yeah, I'm not quite sociopath. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. It was more. I don't know why. I think I just I like to make people laugh. So it was like, hey, I can, you know, <laughs> prank this teacher and I don't care yeah. if I get in trouble because I, I just didn't because I still made good grades. So it's like my parents, what are they going to say? Like. You still have A's, but mm-hmm. you're a jerk in class. So you're like the person that would like just be the patsy. Like you, I'll go down, I'll mm-hmm. go down for it, but it's worth it because I get to make everyone laugh. You know? I got to tell you the story. It's Please hilarious. Do it. My mom was like, "Why do you have a D in choir? Okay, how uh-huh. do you get a D in choir? Like I'm not that bad of a singer." That's a great question. How do you? Get well, a, it was because of choir. behavior. So <laughs> I, you know, Mr. Morris, if you're out there and listening, I just want to apologize for my behavior. Mr. Morris would be chain smoking outside the school. I know why now because of students like me. But in choir, um, we had this thing (laughs) that he was recording us so we could listen to how we sounded. Well, he's like, there was a huge sound system back then. I mean, this was like, what, 95 or something when I was in middle school. And he's like trying to get it going. Well, I would act like I would get a Kleenex and I would go behind the system and pull a bunch of cords out. So then when he went to, like, do the buttons, he couldn't figure it out. So just, like, stuff like that. And then one time my friend was – I was already – I had already been kicked out of the class for that day. So I was just hanging out in the hallway, like, got to the hall. And he busts out of the classroom with one of my best friends who had stuffed a whole roll of toilet paper down her shirt. Okay. um, Just – I don't know why, because you're weird. for later. Yeah, Yeah, you're weird in middle school. So she just stuffed the whole thing down there, and he was, like, taking her to the office. But I sprinted and dove and grabbed a hold of his leg and said, take me instead. And, (laughs) like, I I don't know why. I was just really, like, a goofy kid that liked to push the limits, I guess. I was obviously, I mean, looking back, that's like a kid seeking attention, really, like, to be noticed. And then as I got into high school, it was less like me acting out, rebelling, like I just did my work. But I kind of got, like, I started doing stuff that my parents did. Like, I started drinking and, like, doing Mm. stuff at a young age that was rebellious in that way. Again, luckily, it never affected my grades. Like, I still made really good grades. But instead, I just went through a lot of, like, anxiety and depression when um, my parents got divorced when I was 15. So this is my freshman year of high school. 
and not really knowing or understanding what that was, like anxiety at that time. I was put on antidepressants when I was 14. Um, wow. And so journeying through that with a, a family that didn't process emotions, I guess, in a healthy way, mm-hmm. I started doing things that they did, like drink or, you know, I would, you know, do drugs or something like that just to escape pain. Mm-hmm. So when I was in school, I would do those things, but I was still an athlete. I played volleyball, and I was also a cheerleader. And then I made, like, straight A's. And then teachers were, like, I don't know if they were, like, mad or just, want, like, didn't like me mm-hmm. or what. So they would try to get me in trouble a lot, like, get me kicked out of school. The teachers would? Yeah. Um, I had two teachers that I really loved that mm-hmm. I confided in, and okay. they were, like, for me. But, like, I had anonymous letters written to the school about no me way. living out of district, which was true because my parents divorced, but my dad lived Yeah, but like who's going to be sending anonymous letters? Right. And, like, instead of reaching out and trying to help and, like, hey, what's going on? Like, you want to talk? Like, do you need something? Like, they would just gossip or, like, try to get me kicked out of school. So I really took that with me and decided as a teacher, like, I want to be a teacher who is that person who can help students, who can find the kids in the margins, who can, like, spot, okay, they're going through a lot, and I can tell. So I want to, like, pour into those kids. Um, So that's why I became a teacher. I mean, and then I was also, like, Y'all can't pull anything on me because I've done it all. I, if Mr. Morris is still alive, he knows I've done it all. He's yes, probably I'm so one, sorry, Mr. He's Morris. He's probably the one that was, like, writing in the anonymous letters. He's Perhaps. like, get this girl out of here. <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> no, that's awesome. So, yeah. No. Um, so, yeah, so with that, going through Ball State, through the property management. So I've known you for a long time. I had no idea that you were a Floridian. Is that what they call them in Florida? Yeah, a Floridian. Flor- Florid- are you are you serious? Is <laughs> I don't Floridian? know. Okay, so That's you what are I call Flo- them. Yeah, so we, it's a known <laughs> fact that people that live in Florida are called Floridians. So <laughs> how long were you a Floridian? Not long. Okay. So I moved there. One of my best friends since kindergarten moved there after college, and she started teaching. She's a kindergarten teacher. God bless her. Mm-hmm. And she was looking for a roommate at the time and I was looking for a job and they actually had a lot of teaching jobs down there at the time and so I moved down there seeking a teaching job and we were roommates and then literally of course as soon as I moved down there they did about like a couple million dollars worth of budget cuts in that county for schools so then it declined with the hiring process and now I know like God was that was all a part of God's plan because if I had gotten a job down there, I may never have been back to mm-hmm. Muncie, at least to live. And then I also would have never met, like, my husband or right. been working here and um, all that good stuff. So I lived in Florida for just a couple, maybe, like, four months. And it was beautiful. I love the beach, but, you know. Which which side were you on the call um, side of the Atlantic? The Atlantic side, Jacksonville. Oh, Jacksonville. Yeah. So right, cool. it's. I loved, my favorite part about living there was waking up and watching the sunrise. Like, I would go out to the beach when it was still, like, the sun was rising, and it was never busy out there, and I'd get my Dunkin' Donuts coffee and sit out there, and sometimes people would be surfing and, like, just watching the sunrise, and just felt like that was a great time to talk to God. Absolutely. There's, like, moments on the beach early in the morning uh, or at night, a similar 
for me, like being somewhere like in the forest, it's like this is what peace feels like. Yeah, <laughs> this for is sure. Like what uh, solitude is like when people talk about it in poems. This is what Robert Frost is talking about. Exactly. <laughs> this is beautiful. Uh, absolutely. So from being a Floridian, if that's what we've decided that they're called. <laughs> so you came back to you came back to Muncie. The Muncie mm-hmm. bug was already in you. You're like, I got to go back home, mm-hmm. go back to Party Central. Um, once you got back, uh, where where was like your? I knew you were a teacher, but where was your first uh, was your first job at Daleville? First teaching job, yes. So really, yeah. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. So like not every now we're getting to it because I yes. like because I didn't know how we were gonna bring it up or if we were gonna bring it up at the beginning. So not everybody knows this. Some people in the jar, I've told this, and they're like. It's like a double check. Like I just told him, like I have like, like three thumbs or something. Um, so you were my teacher. You yes. were my English teacher. You were my film lit teacher. My creative writing teacher. Um, what else? You taught more than that. I think. tenth grade. So yeah, ninth and tenth grade English. Ninth, yeah, ninth and tenth grade English. Yeah, you taught a couple. Yeah, a couple classes and that I had like three or four. And I've told that to multiple people, and they're like, "No, you're lying." They're like, <laughs> like, like that. Like I've just told them that like the sky is falling or something. They're like, "No, it's not real. No, no." But not only were you my te- your husband was also your husband Justin was also my science teacher as well. He taught me biology, and I had him like through middle school into high school as well. So <laughs> I'm sorry. No, I'm yeah, no, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. But yeah, like most people don't believe that. But another crazy thing with that as well is that. Um, like that is that's kind of like where I, you know like I first met you, but then like there have been like other circumstances that like like through CR that mm-hmm. I like I also have um, like been able to just like through different CR circles that I've been able to like um, in music been able to like reconnect and uh, that it, that's really the reason I'm at the jars because of you. I mean, honestly, well, and because of God orchestrated sure. that. But uh, talking about how He kind of orchestrated you out of Florida. Mm-hmm. I mean, he really does have that spiritual orchestration, which I know is kind of a weird thing, phraseology, but but it is so true because, uh, yeah, from, it's just I, I reflect on that as well, like you being my teacher and then also most people probably don't know that it is through you being here in Muncie and at the Jars why I am now in Muncie. So we'll get to that in a minute. But, yes, so you worked at Daleville that Daleville and where else outside of Daleville? So I, when I came came back to Muncie, I actually worked at the YOC, the Youth Opportunity Center, which mm-hmm. those of you that don't know is just kind of like the juvenile um, center for Muncie. They have both like a rehabilitation emotionally for mental health, but then they also have like a jail for teens or whatever. So I started working there. And I actually was working there when I got the Daleville job because mm-hmm. it was only like a part-time teaching gig. Oh, okay. So when Anderson consolidated, a lot of kids came to Daleville and the school grew, so the class sizes were too big. So they were like, hey, mm-hmm. we need to hire somebody, and it was your class. Awesome. <laughs> so it was big. So they, like, split split you guys up, and the lucky ones got me. No, yeah. I'm kidding. No, for real. Um, so, yeah, that was my first year ever teaching. So I did stay working at YSC a little bit while I was working at Daleville, but it became a lot because of teaching, and then I would go work from, like, 3 to 11 at YSC. So that was a lot. Wow. So I eventually stepped back from YSC and then worked in the Play-Doh lab, too. Yeah, I with, remember that. I don't think I've ever 
even thought twice about that until you just brought that up <laughs> outside of high school. No, yeah. We, would you explain for the people that think that we're talking about Play-Doh right now yeah. what the Play-Doh lab was? So Play-Doh lab was like credit recovery, basically. Yeah. So it was like a computer lab that kids who were maybe behind or mm-hmm. needed a little extra help would do, you know, like language arts, math, science, kind of your core subjects. So when I was in like <laughs> when I was in like middle school, I, I think it was uh, it might have been like seventh grade or something. So one of the like they would filter through that classroom, like they would do like success periods and stuff, like just transition periods. Um, basically, we'll put you in there just to like kill time or something. So I was in there for something like that, and one of the older classmen was in there for whatever reason as well. And this is the like. This I, I'm new to like the high school atmosphere because at Daleville it's like middle school and high schools in the same building, right? And so I was like new to like being around like a lot of older kids, and I was like, this is weird. This is, and like one of this was like probably just a couple weeks into the school year, and like one of the older classmen look, were sitting near each other. He looks over at me. He's like, hey, check this out. And he he had I didn't know this, but he had like tobacco in his mouth, and he just <laughs> spit like three shots right into the carpet, and he just rubbed it in with his boot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I remember watching that in awe because I have never seen like just. I think first off the confidence. I've never <laughs> seen that amount of confidence. <laughs> Being able to just like I mean it's like he never broke eye contact either. He looked at me and just spit that sucker right into the carpet three different times and it vanished. I never yeah, it was You am- never had really seen that sort of barbaric action yeah. in school. Yeah, no, I was <laughs> blown away and and that is what began my journey into uh being a worship pastor, so <laughs> that's where that's my origin story. Is yeah, exactly. But yeah, so at Daleville, I you know taught part time, and then they decided to keep me and mm-hmm. hire me full time that next year as the educator. So I actually moved up with your grade to tenth grade because that's where they gotcha. needed me, and then they allowed me to start teaching electives mm-hmm. as the years went on, maybe like your junior year or something like that. So I, another funny story with that, because there's, like, very few times of where this story would have any relevance at all. But, like, going into my junior year, there were two ways, at least at that time, there were two ways to get into, uh, what was it, like, English honors? That was, like, the advanced English, which mm-hmm. I had no business in being in English <laughs> honors, okay? I was doing just fine in your, like, in just normal English. We, yes. We had a good thing going, Don, but... <laughs> I wanted to. I want. I was wanting to swing for the fences, and I was like, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna find a way to get into English honors for whatever reason, just because I wanted to. And there were two ways at the time to get into English honors. One of them, you <laughs> one of them, you had to make good grades, and then the <laughs> second, the second way, is that you had to, <clears throat> you had to have like a write off from your English teacher, like your mm-hmm. tenth grade English teacher, like like this individual showed academic prowess or some. Gotcha. Some some lie like that, and then you would get accepted in, right? So I don't know if you know this, but you actually signed one of those letters for me <laughs> going into uh, going into my eleventh grade. So my, the end of tenth grade, you signed that for me going into eleventh grade. I don't even know how I got my hand on one of those slips, but you were able to do it. And you were like, I was like, hey, would you sign this for me to get into like English honors? And you're like, yeah, absolutely. And so. You, and so the next year, like the first day, this is no joke. Like I'm in bookouts class, right? You know, I book out again. I, like Mr. Morris, if you're listening to this, 
whatever. So anyway, um, <laughs> she she sees me in the classroom, and it's like, you know, you can tell, like, that person, you know, I think in her mind she was like, oh, he just doesn't belong because he's an idiot. And so she came to me, very like, just one-on-one. I was sitting in the desk, and she's like, I don't know if you belong here. Are you in the right room? And I'm like, yeah, damn, this is English honors. And, like, it was, like, a big deal. She, like, made a big deal on the whole class. Come to find out I was in the class, mm-hmm. and I failed out. Uh, so it was... <laughs> In my defense, I thought that was a permission slip. No, I'm kidding. So I ended up uh, finishing uh, 11th grade, my junior, my junior year English class, with uh, like in normal, in normal English. Gotcha. Yeah. I don't remember signing that, but I will tell you, I do remember. I was recalling you as a student earlier today at lunch. Great. And you always were a hard worker, so you may have been turning things in like a minute before they were due (laughs) but at least you turned them in so and I feel like I actually was telling Josie because we had lunch today that you and I think it was three other kids who are your friends still um, did my favorite project in English 10 because we were doing Julius Caesar oh my gosh and I gave options of like you could write a paper you could do like some art thing Mm -hmm. or you could do like drama and you guys were literally the only ones who did anything with the drama video element Mm -hmm. and you reenacted modern day Julius Caesar in Daleville Park Mm -hmm. yeah I was there (laughs) and you had long Mm -hmm. hair then and it was seriously like one of the most hilarious videos i've ever seen we put so much time into that like (laughs) like it was like we had to break it up into sections because we don't know what we're doing with video editing so it was like a i think more like a 30 40 minute video right it Mm -hmm. was like seriously long yeah yeah i i remember that i think the idea behind why we did that is like oh we don't have to write a paper this way we don't have like it's less work it's less work and it was we made a movie <laughs> <laughs> we, you know, we didn't make a video clip we made a movie about julius caesar you so. did the fight scene with like twigs yes. Yes. from a tree they were it swords done they were hilarious swords. yeah i think uh yeah we added a few other fight moves like pocket sand was in it i remember that was the one <laughs> Oh, my gosh. I haven't even thought about that. I knew that used to be like a running joke we have, but I, I completely forgot about the Julius Caesar tapes. Mm-hmm. The lost Julius Caesar tapes, that's what we'll call them. I need to find them. I think I have them on an old to. laptop. You should burn that <laughs> old laptop. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. You know, the first time I saw Silence of the Lambs, it's a nice transition, right? <laughs> <laughs> the first time I saw Silence of the Lambs was in film lit. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I just want you to know that... <laughs> The impact that you've had on my life, it it really has benefited me more than you know. I I had no idea what that movie was even about until film film lit, and it was it was great. So I secretly used to be rather obsessed with serial killers. I read several different (laughs) books and documentaries about like Ted Bundy. Um, Ed Gein, John Wayne Gacy, stuff like that. Yeah. So anyways, I that movie was, I forget what film lit terms we were teaching. I don't really know how I ever got parents to give me permission to show that. But I mean, we definitely skipped out like the nudity parts, but there was definitely graphic language and 
great movie. Violence. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I loved Filmlet because I would take all the different concepts and basically choose the movie that I liked or mm-hmm. that I thought kids would like and yeah. show it and teach the concepts through those movies. I but realize yeah. that now it's like probably – I mean, it, yeah, probably really easy for you. It's like, oh, these are just videos that I, I would watch. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, it's, it's great. <laughs> but, but, yeah, I think that kind of sparked – because, like, at, outside of – I never really was that crazy about, like, serial killer or crime things, but that's, like, I love that now. And mm-hmm. so that was probably one of those, like, pivotal moments sure. uh, in my life. So thanks, Don. Appreciate that. As the frontal lobe is developing, right. if we are exposed yeah. to those things, great. So thanks for that. <laughs> You get outside of, of teaching, and then you're kind of on this different path. I think you were you were in Anderson, right, APA? Yeah, so I taught at Daleville for four years, I think it was. Okay. And then I went to Anderson at APA, Anderson Preparatory Academy, is a mm-hmm. charter school. And I started there, and I also taught English 10, and I had some, like, remedial classes for kids who were struggling, which I loved. So I taught there, and then, so going back, I met Justin, my husband, at Daleville. Mm -hmm. So he ran the volleyball program there at Daleville, and then I just coached junior high. So we met through that and became friends, and what was funny is all the kids... I don't know if you were in on this, but all the kids had stories about how we were dating oh, and yeah. together. It was, it was a small school. Though. Yeah, before we ever really were. I mean, we were friends and right. would hang out, but, you know, it was progressing, but we were not, like, official. Yeah. My, my graduating class was, like, 70 kids, so we needed things to entertain ourselves. Yes. That was one of them. Yes. And we would never really confirm or deny that, so that was funny, you right. know. Perfect. Justin would mainly change his subject, and I would just be like, I don't know, guys, and then walk on. So, anyways, we started dating and then got engaged that next year, and then we started the school year like, hey, we're engaged. And they were like, I knew it. I knew the rumors were true. Anyways, so after we got married, then we had our daughter. Mm -hmm. Well, I was at Anderson. After we got married, I went to Anderson, and I taught there for a year, and then – we were having our daughter. So mm-hmm. during that time, I decided to stay home. And so with my experience at Daleville, as well as with Anderson, I had a lot of kids come to me with problems, like personal problems, and talk to me about things. And I wanted to help them, but I didn't, like, have the the language or the resources to help them. So as, you know, with time and consideration and prayer, I decided to go back to school when I had my daughter so I could stay home with her as well as go to grad school to become a counselor. So teaching kind of um, helped me move in that direction with, like, I always loved teaching and I've always loved the kids. I didn't necessarily love politics and, you know, how teachers are kind of, like, thought of as the last person, you know. Mm -hmm. But I always loved working with the kids and helping them with things. So... With that, I decided to go to school to become a counselor so I could actually have the tools and the means to help kids with problems. That's awesome. So, I mean, it's crazy, too, because there's even more of your story. But, like, hearing what you're talking about from, like, childhood to college to even then, it's mm-hmm. like that, I mean, that That probably had to feel like a 180 as you were going to or 180, 360. I don't know angles either, so geometry. <laughs> sorry, Curtis Clay. Uh, Mr. Curtis, sorry. Geometry didn't work either, but uh, 360. <laughs> that had to feel like a 360 um, going from, like, starting from, what, like, 
you know, you said you were 15, kind of when all that that mm-hmm. happened, like with your parents, and then uh, going from that to no, I'm gonna I'm going to help the kids that were like that were like me, sure, the sociopaths like me. So <laughs> yes, and teach them about Silence of the Lambs. Yes. Um, yeah, it definitely was a motivating factor, and I always remembered those couple teachers that stood out to me who not only helped me with school, but also, like, life issues. And then I wanted to help kids further than just in the classroom. So that's why I decided to go back to school for that. Awesome. So from... From there to the jar, how did you how did you come to the jar? Because you, you were here before me, so what was that story like? So attending the jar, when I moved back from Florida, I had maybe been to the jar once, mm-hmm. like throughout my time at Ball State. A friend invited me and I went, but I wasn't really interested in a relationship with God at that point. I didn't grow up in church. We were taught, like, there's a God, but... Like, we didn't really do anything with that. It was just like, okay, there's a God, but... It's a little more, like, agnostic. Kind of possibly, like yeah. My mom mm-hmm. grew up pretty strict um, Pentecostal. Okay. So gotcha. she was, like, uh, turned away from the church. Like, yeah. she always believed in God, too, but it was just different. And so we were never forced to do anything with mm-hmm. God or religious-wise. And I went with my mama and papa a couple times to a church, but they even weren't regular in church, but they definitely were strong believers. So I actually learned most of what I did from being a kid, like at their house, them reading me like Bible stories and having like little animated things of like Noah's Ark and stuff like that. So that seed was planted long ago, but I never really knew God at all. So I, when I came back from Florida, let me go back for a second. So in Lafayette, I pretty much accepted Christ. Um, I was at a point where I was pretty much drinking every day Mm -hmm. and didn't like who I was, but also knew that I was struggling with an addiction. I mean, I had a family history of it, plus I'd been doing it since I was, you know, 15 or so, and that was just a way to mask pain for a long time for me. And looking back, I know I had tremendous anxiety as well, because that's something I've dealt with being sober. So I finally got to a point where I was like, I'm done. I don't want to drink anymore. Like I got really sick. I have lupus and then, which is the autoimmune disorder. And then I got mono on top of that. So I was like bedridden for a couple months and I spent a lot of time just laying in bed and you can only watch so much daytime TV. You know, this is before Netflix. So I just started talking to God like, God, I remember you from what my grandparents said, but I I don't know who you are or whatever. And I actually had a Joyce Myers devotional yeah. somehow, and I started reading through that. And so then I just accepted Christ. And I love that story because people were like, oh, so you just stopped drinking? And I'm like, no. Mm-hmm. Like, I continued to drink, but as time went, God decreased that desire in me. And I realized, like, I wanted to do things his way and not my way. And so giving up what I know is a lifelong struggle for people with addiction, he was able to sort of, like, take me out of that, which I'm so grateful for. And so whenever I came to – I kind of church shopped a little in Lafayette but wasn't, like, committed anywhere. And then when I came back to Muncie, I was, like, the jar, that one place. And the first time I walked in, we were at the Y – meeting and someone was in their pajamas Mm -hmm. and I was like this is my kind of place (laughs) 
because I just was like, yeah. they don't care. Like, they don't care what you look like. They don't care where you're from, what you've done. Like, right. they love how I think God loves. So I started attending, and then after I graduated um, from grad school, I went into community mental health which I really enjoyed, but was very high stress. So glad I did it because I learned so much about all kinds of spectrums of mental health, Mm -hmm. but it's very emotionally exhausting. Yeah. So I did that and worked there for about a year, and then a youth ministry position came open here, which I was like, huh, I never really thought of that, God. Like, I know that you called me to teach, but I never thought about teaching, like, in, in a church, basically, like, to mm-hmm. kids. I've always loved working with adolescents and teaching things, so, right. hey, let's try it, and maybe I can do some counseling, too, with that. So that was 2017 that I, so I had attended since probably 2010 at the JAR, gotcha. and then, you know, just grew, like, did became a partner, got baptized, all those things, and... Um, just continued to let God lead me. and. So how many years after attending did that position kind of open up? And seven. Seven years. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, yep. gotcha. Well, that's, ins- like, that's amazing. Yeah. Oh, that's really amazing. So um, did you, I, I assume like you applied or whatnot, and then that's how you, did you know, did you have like a relationship with Chris, the pastor beforehand? or? Yes. So Chris actually married Mm. Justin and I. We had a destination wedding, and we flew him to that, and he was on a scooter. Oh, that's hilarious. (laughs) So he had actually, I think he ran in some, like, I don't know, marathon, triathlon, something that I don't know because I would definitely never do because I'm too lazy. Um, He ran in something and broke his foot, and so he was on one of those little scooters, and so he scooted out the pier because we had a beach wedding. And so he, you know, flew there and... Married us, and then, you know, I had done, like, partner stuff and volunteered and been part of some of, like, vision casting for the JAR. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, we definitely had a relationship, um, as well as I had a relationship with some of the staff, too. So I was like, well, God, if this is, you know, if this is where you want me, then that's where you want me, and... That's where he wanted me. So yeah, that is that's awesome. I mean, that concept too about like the will of God. I feel like a lot of people interpret that like five thousand different ways. But I think it's you can look at it very simply, right? You can look at it like what is my will, what is God's will? Because mm-hmm. I think a lot of us live our own lives. We live for ourselves. We live for our own life, our own lives, right? Sure. We're not focused about. Uh, we're not focused around living our lives intended for. Uh, what God is wanting out of our lives, like uh, like you know Colossians, like Paul writes about, you know, living that Christian lifestyle. It's more about um, incorporating church, just you know, every now and again, incorporating some of the Christian values every now and again. It's about oh, well, I believe in God, but you know, I, I, I'll get to that on Sunday. And right. so, I think once you kind of accept, like, no, I'm not going to choose to live for myself. I'm going to choose to live for God. That's like when crazy things happen i mean that's when like uh you go from somewhere where you thought you were on a trajectory and then you start a different one and so i love that so much i'm actually glad you just brought that up too because that's like a big thing i talk with a lot of people about the will of god well what does god want me to do what what am i supposed to do here what is uh what is god wanting me to do when it comes to these finances that if you just take it um very slowly one day at a time and look at it very simply just 
remove your own intuition or remove your own ambition and put it for God, things happen. Think yeah. crazy things happen, right? I agree with you because we yeah. like have a need to want to control and like plan and like, oh, so this is yeah. what my life's going to look like. And right. I joke now, you know, if you would have told me when I was 18 years old that I would be working for a church as a youth director, I would have yeah. like laughed in your face, yeah. you know, and thought like that would never happen. Mm-hmm. But God is, he's amazing and he takes broken people and uses them all the time so absolutely very very similar don i uh but i used to joke with my friends about christian music because i hated Mm -hmm. christian music and i know that hate's a terrible word and it's a bad word right but i hated christian music i Mm -hmm. didn't want any part of it i was like oh it all sounds the same everything on the radio (laughs) sounds the same i don't want to i don't want to sing christian music and so I, i look at it like god is either very divine in nature or he has an incredible sense of humor or maybe both yeah maybe both but he really uh he really does do the 360 now that I know my angles and everything. <laughs> but he really does do the 360s. And um, you never, like, I thought my life was on a different trajectory. And he was like, nope, this is the way that it's going to be. And he still does that. And it sounds like he's still doing that for you. Yeah. And so um, before we kind of wrap this thing up, can you tell us a little bit more about, like, uh, just Impact and Ignite and the fun things that are kind of going on there? Yeah, so Impact is our middle school ministry. It's grades 6 through 8, and then Ignite is our high school ministry. It's 9 through 12. And it's basically just a safe place to come, hang out. We eat food, of course, because, you know, I love food. Absolutely. But come, hang out, have food, and learn about God. And it's not about, like, where you come from or where you've been or if you're bad or good. It's just we're who we are. And I always want kids to just be genuine and authentic. And I try to be the same. Like, I'll tell them my story and tell them, you know, I used to do a lot of stupid things. Right. And But you're never too far from God. And so it's just like a place where they can come and have fun. We do a lot of fun games. Um, we have a lot of applicable teachings. You know, we teach about social media we teach about sex we teach about i feel like a lot of taboo topics that some churches and maybe not now but i know when i was younger like they would never speak of such things like Mm -hmm. you know don't have sex before you're married but they never said why or explain Mm -hmm. like why it matters it's just not something you talk about so we talk about a lot of different things and they're topics that relate to the kids lives and then we do a lot of fun outings you know we go putt-putting we go to sky zone we try to serve like with the community basket we try to do outings and serve the community kind of at the same capacity about every other month and um, it's just a place where any kid can come and be welcome we actually have some kids that don't even attend the jar that come and that's fine we welcome anybody we just want them to feel safe and to have a good experience with church and to know how much god loves them well, thank you so much, Don, for being with us. And before we go, we always uh, we always like to talk about like a, a life verse, or we like to talk about um, something that God's been putting on our heart, like this week, maybe even today. And so, before we go, do you have uh, do you have a verse that you want to share with us that uh, that might be able to end on our happy note that we yes. like to do? Jesus wept. I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm kidding. All right, see you guys. <laughs> So my, we do here at the jar, we do a word of the year, you know, instead of 
There's nothing wrong with New Year's resolutions, but studies show that people give those up by around February, March sometimes each year. So like New Year resolutions, basically. Yes. That's mm-hmm. the, okay. Within three months, they're done. Awesome. So we do a word for the year here at the jar, which I like because, you know, you can usually stick to a word and kind of go by that word for the year. My word this year is stand. Hmm. And um, basically it's from 1 Corinthians sixteen thirteen, which is be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be strong, be courageous. Hmm. And part of that is just me growing in my faith, standing in my faith, standing in the promises of God and moving forward in my faith. Um, the past couple years, obviously, we had a pandemic, which was crazy for everybody. Um, but I also lost my mom during that, mm-hmm. during 2020 to cancer. And then a year before that, I lost my dad to yeah. cancer. So the last two years have been really hard for me to stand, I guess. Um, people ask, like, how do you do it? How do you go on? It's like, well, because you have to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you can't just, like lay down and die you have to stand and keep going and so for me like working through my grief in a healthy way um, processing that and even seeing a counselor for that I've been able to say like I'm going to stand in God's promises and know that he is for me and he's faithful and he's not going to let me down so that's my word for this year and I'm standing amen (laughs) Don, thank you so much, and uh, we we appreciate you so much, everything you do for the jar. You are tough as nails. Uh, We thank you so much. We celebrate you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me.